Amen. You can be seated. Did you know that we overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit? The work is already finished. Amen. We just need to remind ourselves of that often. I have known all of my life that it is important to know who we are in Christ. I have known all of my life that the work that Jesus did on the cross is totally finished and that I need to live from the finished work and not towards the finished work. And yet within just the last six months, I have begun to understand that in a whole new way. Um, We have made... We have made following Jesus about following rules. We have made following Jesus about going to church services. And we have lived lives where there is a sacred and there is a secular. So I think about God in my morning devotions, but the rest of my day is all about me. I give 10% of my money, but the other 90% is all about me. And God did not send Jesus to die just to make it easier for us to get forgiveness. Okay, so that now we don't have to bring bulls and animals. All we got to do is ask and we're forgiven. That's a part of it. He died to make us be able to come into relationship with him, to put his spirit inside of us so that every day, every moment, all the time, we could walk with him. We could fellowship with him. And we've, we've made it about in and out, in and out, in and out. And the more we understand what it is to abide in him, I mean, I know good people that are trying so hard to bear fruit. I'm trying so hard to share my faith. Just abide in him. You learn to abide in him and his love will flow out of you. It's Christ's love that compels us to be ambassadors for God. If we would just get so drunk on his love. Paul says be rooted and grounded in his love because in his love, that's his fullness. And when you get full of something, guess what happened? It spills. A friend of mine on Facebook yesterday said he was in a coffee shop. The barista said, you want room for cream? He said, yes. And he put the coffee on the thing and he pulled the lid off and there was like an eighth of an inch. And she said, oh, did you want more room than that? <laughs> well, the black coffee is as it should be. <laughs> and so, but yes, he wanted more room. It was full. And you know what happened? You ever take the lid off a full coffee cup? What happened? Spilled out. Stop trying so hard to stop sinning. Be filled filled with Jesus. I mean, more of him. I don't understand why I get so angry at people. I need more of him. So that when I'm squeezed, anger and frustration and resentment doesn't come out. He comes out. And it doesn't matter how much of a jerk other people are to me. He is always good to me. And if I'm full of him and I'm full of his goodness and I get squeezed, good should come out. And when good doesn't come out, you know what I do now? I say, God, I don't, I don't like that. That's not who you've made me to be. You've made me better than that because I'm like you. You've made me perfect. And so don't let that good, that yunk come out of me when people squeeze me. I need goodness to come out of me. No shame, no guilt, no condemnation. Been set free from that. It really is all about being in him. It really is. Jesus himself said, if you abide in me, you will 
you will bear much fruit. Impossible not to. Impossible not to. Well, Pastor, you don't understand. If I, I have the job I have, I can't bear fruit. Well, yeah, you can if you abide in Him. Well, this church, this church, I can't bear fruit here. Well, no, it's all about Him, really. This marriage, this, 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 these parents, this school, this whatever. Him. Everything we need for life and godliness has been given to us through Him. So, the question we've been asking, who lives in you? Who lives in you? Um, back in the fall, I read 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 from the message. And I believed that I needed to do a teaching on 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. And so we put it on the calendar and uh, it, it started back on February 2nd. But in order to get into 1 Corinthians 12 through 14... I felt like we needed to lay a little bit of a foundation for who the Holy Spirit is. So Pastor Mark preached on February 2nd about the Holy Spirit being our best friend. And he laid that foundation. I love that he went back into the Old Testament to lay that foundation. Because this book is a complete book. Okay? It's not just Old Covenant, New Covenant. It's a total revelation of who God is. This is not a, a basic instructions before living, leaving earth manual. Okay? This is a revelation of who God is and his plan for mankind. Always has been, always will be. He didn't start the Old Covenant and say, oh, I guess that didn't work. Let's figure out what we should do next. He did the Old Covenant and all through the Old Covenant, the feasts, the sacrifices, all of it points to the New Covenant. It all points to Jesus. But he did it so we would come to the place where we realize it's futile to try in our own strength. We can never come to the place where we please him, where we measure up. It's impossible. No human being can do it. And the whole Old Testament was all about showing us it's impossible. And then all of a sudden, it becomes possible because of what Christ has done for us. And now, we get to live from that place. But some of us still try to be grateful for the cross and still try to live Old Testament. Oh, I got to do it. I got to do it. I got to... No, you are it. He doesn't say, do holy as I am holy. He says, be holy as I am holy. I've made you holy. Now be it. You are it. Be it. That doesn't mean we don't care how we live. We should live however we want. No, you died to sin. How can you live in it anymore? We can't live in it anymore. We live by the power of the Spirit. We put to death the sinful nature that still dwells in this physical body. Thank God one day we take the body off and get a new body. But don't live with this escapism. Oh, Jesus, please come back today. How much more? How much more? You've been given the Spirit of God to live in you. You can accomplish immeasurably more than what you've already faced. Do you believe me? <laughs> it's so true. You know, we were going to be, we've been going through the God I Never Knew devotion in you version, and you know, that stupid snow day messed everything up, didn't it? Because we were going to be in 1 Corinthians 12 today, but we didn't quite make it there. Um, but we're still moving on. So the new devotions are out. Um, if you've been invited on version, um, we're going to start a study through the Old Testament. If you want a paper copy, there are some in the back. You can grab one. 
Um, the paper copies obviously don't give you a chance to interact with each other. Um, I love the, the comments that those of you that have been reading and commenting, I love the things that God is showing you. Uh, keep that up. But we're going to go into the Old Testament and we're going to talk about this complete book. Last week, I shared two foundational scriptures that didn't necessarily have anything to do with the Holy Spirit, but yet had everything to do with the Holy Spirit. And one came from, from 2 Peter chapter 1. So if you missed last week, you can go back and listen, but here's the recap. 2 Peter chapter 1 says, you and I have been given everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of God, through what Christ has done for us. So now we add to that faith, knowledge, goodness. We, we add to it. Not we replace it. We add to it. See, what happens is, when, especially when we come to like, maybe understand the Holy Spirit. And I'm gonna explain this more today. So if you're confused by it, um, I'll try to make it clear later. But we, we get understanding about the Holy Spirit. Um, I talk to people all the time that go to churches that don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They get baptized in the Holy Spirit. They're like, well, I, I guess I need to start coming to your church. Why? Why? Well, because my church doesn't believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Did God tell you to leave your church and come to our church? I mean, don't assume that because now that I've got the baptism in the Holy Spirit, what we do is we exalt that new information above all the other information that we've ever received. And it doesn't have to be the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It can be anything. You get, you, you get a revelation from God of something you've totally missed in scripture or you just understand it in a better way. You understand grace or love and then you exalt it above all the other things. No, 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 no. You add it to what you already know. I already believed this book was like the foundation of life and everything that I need to know about God comes from it and it settles my emotions and it keeps me steady. And so when I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I didn't go, oh, baptism in the Holy Spirit, this book is now secondary. No, I added what I learned to what I already knew that came from the word. Not what I already knew because somebody taught me that didn't come from the word, but just came from preference. Does that make sense? So we keep adding to these things so that we grow more productive, more productive in our knowledge of God. That's what we become productive in. That's what Peter says. Not more productive in your Christian walk. We become more productive in our knowledge of God because out of our knowledge of God comes our Christian walk. We get it backwards. We try so hard to do the Christian walk and he's like, no, 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 just know me. This is eternal life, to know me. This is all he wants. I want to know you. I want you just to be with me. I sent my son so you could be with me, not so you could do things for me, so you could be with me. But if, you, if we truly come to that place where we be with him, out of that overflow comes what we desire, comes the life we were created to live. So then we talked about Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4 is the story of a farmer who's planting seeds in different types of soil. And he doesn't go around like planting it. He just throws it everywhere. I mean, he's just excessive with his seed. He just all over the place. Jesus tells us clearly Mark 4 is a foundational kingdom illustration. Really, everything you ever learn from God's word about who God is, is a seed. It's a seed. And it has the potential to grow and produce 30 and 60 and 100 times what was sown into your life. 
but it also has the potential to fall on hard ground. And this is what we do. We hear something and we dismiss it because I don't like it. I don't agree with it. That's not what I was taught growing up. I'm afraid of it. I'm too proud. I mean, we would never say we were too proud, but we are. It's not been my experience. How can that be true? I have not experienced that. It's true because it's in his word. It's his character. It's his nature. And so it's true. And we studied the Bereans in the book of Acts that when Paul preached to them something and they're like, this is new information. What did they do? They studied the scripture. They were open-minded enough to go to the book and say, is this true? <clears throat> and some of us, when we, when we get a teaching on the Holy Spirit, our hearts have been so hard because of what we've experienced in the past or because of our fears or anxieties, and we just dismiss it. Hard ground. Don't think that the hard ground is just people that, that never receive any seed. It's one seed you just don't want to receive, and we dismiss it. There's, then there's two groups that they get the seed, and they're like, I like the seed, and they agree with the seed, and they respond to the seed, and they're joyful about the seed. But one of them faces hardship. Oh, man, I love this new seed that God has revealed to me in his word. Oh, man, I lost my job. Oh, man, I got to go find a job. I don't have time to, to, to nurture that seed so it can grow because now I've lost my job. Or, man, the kids are sick, and all of a sudden now this kid's sick, and then that kid's sick, and now I'm sick, and now they're sick, and then it goes all the way back around again. And all this hardship or just the negative emotions of, I woke up today, and I just, I don't feel like God loves me. I feel so anxious, and I don't know what to do, and I'm so angry. And, and the seed never grows just because of hardship. Some receive the seed, they receive the word of God, they just get busy. And so it never produces fruit. Because I mean, ah, man, I really meant to really press in to know God more, but ah, I just got so busy. By the way, religious activity can be busyness. I mean, you can have a checklist of all these ways you're serving God through all of these community organizations and church organizations, and I'm do, doing, 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 doing. And the fruit of the knowledge of God isn't growing in your life because you're so busy. You're so busy. Now, by the way, you can pray without ceasing. Um, you don't have to pray with your eyes closed with certain music playing in the background. In fact, you should get really good at praying with your eyes open in the midst of chaos. You should, because that's where many of you work, right? I mean, don't we? We are in places that are chaotic and we have to be like, God, you're here with me and I need to know how to respond to this moment. So let's, let's go. What am I doing? What should I say? How should I act? Give me peace. Lord, I feel like hitting somebody right now, but I know that's not from you. I mean, let's be real. You, you know, I, mean, I know you guys are way too spiritual to ever feel like hitting someone, but some, for those of you that do, just say, God, that's not from you. I know it's not from you because you are kind to the unkind. It's good stuff. So when we learn about the Holy Spirit, Jesus in John chapter 14 through 16 talks about the Holy Spirit. He's going to come, and this is just one part of that. We're not going to talk about these three chapters, but I'd encourage you to read it just so you know more about the Holy Spirit. If you haven't read the Version app, that we, um, the, the Bible plan, the God I Never Knew, I'd encourage you to read that. Um, it's just pointing you to what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. 
But Jesus, these are his words. He says, I will ask the Father. Isn't that funny? Do you think that the Father at this point didn't plan to send the Holy Spirit? I mean, since the foundation of the world, we knew this was the plan. And yet Jesus still is going to ask the Father. I don't have time to pray. You have not because you ask not. Oh, but if it's just God's will, it'll be done. Well, it was God's will to send the Spirit. Why did Jesus have to ask the Father? To show us that's what we do. He says, here's my will. Ask me for it. Why does he do that? Because he doesn't want to do it alone. He could. He doesn't need us. God did not create human beings because he needed someone to love him. Oh, I need someone to love me. I, I just, I want to experience the love of people. You know why he created human beings? Because out of the overflow of God himself, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, he is so loving that the love just splashed out into creation. And he created us and he loved us and he loves us even when we're a mess. While we were his enemies, he demonstrated his love for us because he is love. And he died for us. And he says, I'm going to give you another advocate. One who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him. It doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. He says, I'm going to send another advocate. Basically, Jesus has been their advocate from that time until then. From the time he started walking with them, three years, I'm your advocate. That's what he was. That was his role in their lives. And now he says, I'm going to send you someone just like me, another advocate. And he is going to come in my place. Jesus came to earth as the exact representation of who God is. We don't have to sit here today and wonder, does God, is, what's, what is God like? God is absolutely like Jesus. He is the exact representation of the Father. I don't care what you think God is like, what you feel God is like. Jesus is what God is like. So if you want to know, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and that will tell you what God is like. Because he is like Jesus. He is the exact representation. Now Jesus says, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. You're like, well, I don't know what the Holy Spirit's like. Read about Jesus. He is just like Jesus. He's the same. And so if you feel, oh, man, you feel, oh, he's so, he's so angry at me right now. He's, I mean, yeah, Jesus flipped over a few tables and you can take a couple scriptures and think the Holy Spirit is just, you know, I love it when people are like, man, the Holy Spirit just punched me with that. Did he? I mean, did Jesus punch anybody with that? I mean, he said some startling statements, but isn't it funny how we, we make up what we think the Holy Spirit's like, but Jesus is like, he's going to be just like me. And he tells the disciples, he lives with you now. He's, he's living with you right now, but later he's going to be in you. It's better that I go away because when I go away, he can come and be in you. Pastor Mark told us all about this. The Feast of Passover, Jesus died. He was the Passover fulfillment. He was the Passover land. 50 days later, Pentecost, Holy Spirit comes. It's so great. It's so great. In Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, Jesus himself says these words. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. 
but wait for the gift my father's promise, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's what Jesus said. This is not a brand new information for them. He said it in the Gospels. Go back and read Luke 24. Go back and read what John said. John even said, I'm going to baptize you with water now, but someone's coming after me. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That's what he said. Okay, we're going to get to that in a minute, but I want you to look at this word baptize. This is actually a Greek word called baptizo. If you know what transliterate is, it's where you take a word from another language and you just bring that word right over into English and you make it mean something. So we have taken baptizo, a Greek word, and we have brought it into English and we say baptize. And now we have defined baptize as a religious ceremony with which you express your faith in Jesus and in some way water is applied to you. That's what we have done. Now that may mean as an infant you had water sprinkled on you and then later you repented of your sin and you confirmed that baptism. Or it may mean there, you, know, you had water poured on you or you had some type of ceremony. It doesn't matter what happens as long as there's a ceremony. That would be great. Except the word baptizo means to be immersed or to become engulfed or plunged into something. And so if I am in this circle back in the Bible days, if I'm sitting around and I hear them say baptize, I'm not thinking religious ceremony. I'm thinking immersed in water. I mean, it was not a religious term. Jesus could have said, hey guys, I got the coffee and donuts. Hey, let's baptize our donuts in the coffee today. Let's try that. Okay, now we know they didn't have coffee and donuts, but that, it was that type of word. It didn't have to just be used of a religious thing. It meant to do this. So why do we say with baptism that we have to submerge people in water, immerse them, and bring them back up? Because they're dying to themselves and coming back to life. It's symbolic of what happens at salvation. We can't just change it because we are more comfortable having water trip, trickled on us, and I don't want to be wet in front of people. You can't change the book because of our preference. That makes sense? I mean, I don't care how genuine you felt like your, your experience was when you were baptized as an infant and later confirmed. I'm not going to argue whether it was genuine or not. I can't. I'll just argue whether it's truth or not. That's what truth is. And so Jesus says, this is what's going to happen. And then he's with them for 40 days. So 10 days, he's gone. They're waiting. What are we going to do while we're waiting? Well, they're going to try to figure out how to do it. <laughs> so you know what they do? They replace Judas. I mean, the Bible says we got to replace Judas. So let's pick, uh, let's pick Matthias. Matthias, yes, you are replacing Judas. Was that God's plan to replace Judas with Matthias? Later on, he chooses Paul. Maybe they got a little out of order. Jesus said, wait, wait. Let me come, let me send the Spirit first, then do. Don't start doing. Wait. But there are people like us, you know. We know Jesus said, wait. We know Jesus said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. But in the meantime, let's just try to figure some stuff out on our own. Thank goodness we no longer have to wait 10 days for the Holy Spirit. All you got to do is ask. All you got to do is ask. So Acts chapter 2 comes. When the day of Pentecost came, because that was the plan, 
They were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language about being spoken. Now, what you need to do is tear up every flannel graph image on your brain today of what this day looked like because we have so confused this now the problem is the scripture started to be translated remember when Israel wasn't a nation so things were lost we didn't know the culture of Israel we didn't have the archaeological finds we didn't know stuff that now scholars have begun to piece together why people are like why are translations always changing because we're learning more because we're uncovering stuff and we're like oh we're talking did I just die? I'm back. I died and I came back to life. Resurrection right here in front of you. We didn't talk to Jews back then. And so we, we didn't know things. And so we've come to understand what the scripture is actually saying to us. And so it's not like a big deal, but it's kind of a big deal. Does that make sense? So on the day of Pentecost, they hear the sound of this strong wind. What's that all about? Do you know, Pastor Mark already covered this, Feast of Pentecost. Do you know what the Feast of Pentecost is? It's the Feast of Harvest, the first fruits of the harvest. What do you do when you, when you harvest wheat? What do you need to do? You need to shake the wheat. So what do you need to shake the wheat? Wind. The winnowing fork is in his hand. Pentecost is all about separating the wheat and the chaff. This is not just, well, what should we do to make a dramatic entrance? Hmm. Let's have wind. This is all about Pentecost. Fire came and sat on all of them. Why? Because at Pentecost, there were sin and guilt sacrifices. And now we are the sacrifice. Now we are the altar. We are all of it. He lives in us. We're the temple. So why did fire sit on all of them? Because they're the new temple. They're the new altar. They're the new sacrifice. And so fire, I don't think, sat on their heads and was like this little thing. Okay? I think they were engulfed in it. They, not really. It looked like it. Why? Why would God do all of that? Why isn't it repeated? I mean, in Acts chapter 4, that same group is praying and the building shakes and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. But why is this important here? Because that way when Peter gets up and says, this is that, that was prophesied. It's all about showing them this has been the plan all along. Passover, Pentecost, wind, fire, go. <laughs> it doesn't have to be repeated. There doesn't have to be wind. There doesn't have to be fire. But there has to be baptism in the Spirit because He still enables us to go. And I believe, we're going to look deeper at it next, week, next time, that, the, that speaking in tongues is still a part of that. Now, it says that it filled the whole house where they were sitting. That word house in the Greek means house, temple, sanctuary. House, temple, sanctuary. So what we have done is we have imagined that the disciples are hiding in this little upper room because they're scared. Except the scripture tells us in Luke that they met together daily in the temple. I don't think they were in an upper room. I think they were at the temple. 
All of a sudden, people heard this and came running. The only place there would have been a massive crowd of people at the Feast of Pentecost would have been at the temple. Not some side street in Jerusalem. No crowd would have come running. And God did these signs so that all the Jews that understood Pentecost would see it, recognize it. They didn't, but 3,000 did. And 3,000 got saved that day because of what he did. Now, he gave them, he enabled them to speak in other tongues. He did not take control of their tongue and make them speak. Demonic spirits try to control. The Holy Spirit will not control you. Some of you have prayed for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Words have come to your mind and you failed to speak them out because you're afraid they're just you. They're afraid it's not from God. You've heard all of these things in, in the past and you're like, I'm afraid. He is not going to take your tongue and make you do it. He's going to enable you to do it. And by faith, you speak it out. And trust me, I know the fear that's going on on the inside of you. It went on in the inside of me for years until I finally just said, I'm done with the fear and I'm going to surrender to it. But even after that, I wrestled with it. So then in Acts chapter 2, Peter says, each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God and be baptized Immersed in water, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, to those who are far away. That doesn't mean far away on the other side of the planet. It means far away in time, space, or degree. All who are far off, even the Gentiles. But it took them a little while to believe that one. Because they thought, well, the Gentiles, I mean, they're still dirty. So I don't think God wants them to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So God had to send Peter a vision, get him to go to a Gentile's house, and in the middle of his preaching, he had to interrupt him, baptize them in the Spirit, so Peter would get it. Oh, God wants everybody, all who are far off. All means all, not just Jews. They didn't get it. It, it was okay. God wasn't like, you Thick-headed idiots. Why don't you get... He's just like, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to send you there. I'm going to blow your mind with this one. <laughs> Let's not even wait for them to get baptized in water. Let's just fill them with the Spirit. Um, Lord, what do we do with that? They're not baptized in water yet, but they're filled with the Spirit. And they're like, well, if they've been filled with the Spirit, who can keep them from being baptized in water? So they baptize them in water. So crazy. I love it. Then in Acts chapter 19... Did you receive the Holy Spirit, Paul asked them, when you believed? What are you talking about, they replied. We don't even know that there is a Holy Spirit. What baptism did you experience? They replied, the baptism of John. John's baptism was a call for repentance, but John told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in water in the name of Lord Jesus. Then Paul laid his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came on them. They spoke in other tongues and prophesied. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? By the way, you can't believe without the Holy Spirit. So what's he talking about? How did they possibly believe? The Bible says the only way you can say Jesus is Lord is by the Holy Spirit. The only way that you and I can know that we're sons and daughters of God is by the Holy Spirit. So they must have already had some level of the Holy Spirit. I think they had all of him because I don't think God cuts him up and sends him to us in pieces. I think the Holy Spirit comes into us when we get saved. And yet still, John lays his hands on them and asks them to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You see, what I want you to understand is, I, I grew up in a church 
where we believed in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It was an assembly of God church. In fact, we practiced it regularly. I, I remember often messages in tongues, interpretations. I remember dramatic healings. I watched people get healed. I watched people I knew that had had back surgeries and could barely walk begin to run and that I had never seen even walk without some level of assistance running. I mean, I watched the power of God often and I didn't want it. I didn't because a lot of those people were weird. I, they were. I mean, I didn't want, I am not an extroverted person. I'm more extroverted than I've ever been because of Jesus and the Spirit, but I would rather be in the back. I would rather in, the, in a crowd. I don't need to talk to people. I just want to be there. I'm okay by myself. I'm, I'm, I'm totally okay being by myself. I love people. I like to be with people, but I'm okay by myself too. And so I didn't want the Holy Spirit. Plus, I wasn't comfortable with this idea that a good service is when the pastor doesn't preach. Something didn't sit right with me for that. So, long story, I was going to go to college somewhere else. I got arrested for shoplifting. Felt, remembered a call that God put on my life when I was a young boy. I should go into ministry. Got to Trinity Bible College in Ellendale, North Dakota. That's a great story, but I don't have time for it today. And I'm there and I'm studying the Bible. And you know what I found? I was right. The Bible is true. And the Holy Spirit is for today, but he is confined to this book. And this book is what's most important. And so I remember there was a time, a professor, we had three messages in tongues one day in a worship service. And then the fourth one came. He didn't even wait for the interpretation. He went to the mic and said, the scripture clearly says that only three may speak in tongues. We have just violated scripture and we will not wait for the interpretation. When we talk about 1 Corinthians 12 and 4 through 14, I'll tell you why I don't think that's right. But I, at that time, I was like, you're right. We follow the book. We are people of the book. We follow the book, the book, the book, the book. And so when I went home, I made sure my pastor at home knew the book. You know, the and he, it was so bad. It was so bad. It was so bad. I'm only going to tell you because I want you to understand how bad it is. Me and some of my wise friends would stand in the lobby during church. We didn't have all these windows like y'all have here. We just had doors that had windows. And so you could hide in the lobby and you could talk to everybody that didn't like what was going on in the room really happened and we would talk about why it was bad and and the, the pastor knew it i remember one time in a sermon he even made the statement the disciples didn't even have the bible i mean that was a shot across the bow at those of us he knew were you know we were i mean we were we were very vocal he knew we were vocal he knew we didn't like what he was doing it wasn't the holy spirit it wasn't god because he wasn't following the book to the t like we were um, and I remember one time, me and my best, friend, my best man for my wedding, we were both, he was a seminary student, I was Bible college student. What a great mix. <laughs> so we're sitting together one night and we're having communion and uh, the pastor calls on him to pray for the bread and says, David, would you stand and, and offer prayer for the bread? And sure enough, guess who prayed for the cup? <laughs> me. He called on me to pray for the cup. Um, we were terrible. I mean, once I had an experience with the Holy Spirit and repented, um, guilt hounded me forever. Um, I, I literally would sit in my office and think, God, how was I so blind to this? 
because it's not about the book versus the spirit. It, you put them together. I mean, I was so, so wrong. I may, have, I may have had some right ideas, but how I handled them was totally wrong. And so finally, one day I picked up the phone and I called him. He's a pastor in Indiana and I called him and I apologized and I'm like, I, I was a jerk. I was out of line and I, I am so sorry for what we did to you. He was so gracious. Tommy, he always called me Tommy. Tommy, it's, it's, it's in the past. I have forgiven you. I forgive you now. I don't want you to carry this. He prayed over me. Guilt would not go away. Man, guilt is relentless. Um, and so we went to district or general council in Kansas City. General Counsel, Kansas City, Jim Cimbala's preaching the keynote message. I love Jim Cimbala. His book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, changed my life. I'm like, yes, I'm going to go there. I felt so convicted because I'm just learning about the Holy Spirit now. And I'm like, I want to go. And I, he preached. I went to the altar. I, I was like, God, I want to know. I want to understand this. Um, forgive me for what I did. Forgive me for ever speaking against your spirit. Uh, blah, blah, blah. By the way, if you think that's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, the devil uses that on people all the time. If you fear that you've committed blasphemy, you, you haven't because you wouldn't care if you did. But, um, so I thought maybe I had blasphemed, so I'm crying out to God. And uh, man, encounter with God at the altar. And I turned around. I stood up and I turned around. 36,000 people in this auditorium. I turned around. Do you know who stood behind me? the pastor from Indiana, right behind me. Literally, I just, I said, I am so sorry. I hugged him. I'm crying. He's like, you have to let this go. (laughs) We had a great talk. Him and the associate pastor that worked with him was there too. It was crazy how God orchestrated it. I was able to let it go. But while I was at Trinity Bible College, I had my seat in the back row. If you're in the back row today, this isn't, you're not like me at all. But I was in the back row and I was with my friends and my friends and I, we were people of the book. We were people of the book. And I remember Pat Donaldson, the district youth director from Alaska was there. And I didn't like when he came because he was a person of the spirit. It was all about the spirit. It was all about the spirit. And uh, he preached a prophetic word at Trinity Bible College that I didn't like because he talked about the man who was healed on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees were so angry that Jesus broke the Sabbath and they could not see that a man who was broken was made whole right in front of them. They could not see that Jesus was from God because of he didn't come the way they wanted. And he said that God is drawing a line in the sand today. Three of the professors that were the most outspoken against the Brownsville revival, against the things of the Spirit, left after that year. The Holy Spirit did draw a line on the sand that day. Students left and never came back. And I'm in the back row. He would not close the service because he said, I feel like there's one more person that needs to respond today. And I am sweating. I know it's me. I feel like God has put a target on me. And I'm, I'm like, but God, my friends, this is everything I'm against. How can I possibly respond to this? And I'm arguing and I'm fighting. And finally, I'm like, all right. I'll go. I got up. So there was, it was like this church at one time. There were pews here, but there was a center aisle in the back. It was like I couldn't even make a straight line to the front. I had to go out the store, around the back, and then come this way. And the moment I knelt down, the dam broke. And it was just like everything just broke. And I started weeping. I didn't even know why. And I'm arguing with myself. It's like, what are you doing? And then Pat, dismissed the service, comes over, lays his hand on me, and begins to speak over me. 
And he's reading me, and I'm like, what is going on? How does he know all this stuff? And he finished praying for me. I sat down on the pew, and I'm just stunned. I don't know what to do. And I'm sitting there. Christy wasn't in chapel that day. She was sick, and somebody went to get her. Because Tom is at the altar. You need to come. Like, I don't know what's happening. That was my reputation. <laughs> what's he doing? She came. She sat down beside me. She's, I mean, she's like, what, what happened? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I couldn't talk without crying. So I, I just let, I said, I have to go. So I went to my room. I sat in my room, dark, sitting there. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what just happened. Knock at the door. I open the door. Pat Donaldson. I'm like, why are you here? <laughs> Haven't you done enough? He's like, he comes in my room like this. He's like, can I, can I talk to you for just a little bit? He's like, um, I'm really new at the gifts of the Spirit. They're operating in my life in ways, not looking me in the eye at all, um, ways that I've never done before. And uh, man, I just, I wanted to talk to you because, man, I felt like God was all over you. And I was saying some pretty specific things. I nailed you, didn't I? I mean, because he just looking around my room, he described things. And he, he was totally spot on. And he, he knew it. And I said, I don't know what to do. He sat down for a half hour. He explained the, the gifts of the Spirit. Then I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm a senior in Bible college, and I fought this all my life, and I, I don't know what to do. And so I went and did an internship, and I went to Brownsville. And I'm like, surely if I go to Brownsville, I'll get the answers. And, you know, it's just crazy. I don't have time to go into it. But just every time I thought this would be the way. If I go to Brownsville, I'll get the answers. I didn't get the answers at Brownsville. I got some I mean, it was a journey the Lord had me on. I graduated. I came to Huron, South Dakota as a youth pastor. And I had youth kids coming in my office saying, why do you believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit? I don't know. <laughs> Did you want to talk about drugs or sex or something? I mean, what? <laughs> baptism in the Holy Spirit? But because this, there was a teaching in this area that if you believed in the baptism in the Holy Spirit, it wasn't for today. So if you practice it, it's the devil. That was being taught. Those, those two pastors that taught that strongly are no longer in Huron. And so, but that was what they wanted to know. So you know what I had to do? I had to study the scripture. I had to dig. I had to find. So I started going through Acts. And I started to take this knowledge of this book that I already had. I have a love for this book. I'm in this book. And I'm like, okay, God, help me understand how to put the Holy Spirit right in there. Because I believe it's real. I believe it's for today. I want to know for sure. And sure enough, everything lines up. I struggled with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It wasn't until I almost was ready to graduate that I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit because in my brain, I'm like, it's just me. I'm just thinking those words. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's just me. It's just me. It's just me. And so finally, I just started to speak it. I'm like, you know what, Lord? Okay. And I still wrestled with it. And I've, I, I read a book that said, you know, that this guy spoke in tongues and this other person was from another country and they were like, hey, you just spoke in my language. And I'm like, Lord, if that happened to me, then I would believe. So let that happen to me because then it would answer all my questions. And so I'm like, oh, Lord, let that happen to me. Come on, let it happen to me. And one day in our staff meeting, Brittany Bragg, who was on staff with us, fluent Spanish speaker. She's like, oh, Pastor Tom, I forgot to tell you, you were preaching Sunday or praying on Sunday. 
And you took the mic down because you were praying in the spirit. And it was so bizarre because you've prayed this in Spanish, but then you prayed something else and I had no idea what you were praying. But then you went back into Spanish and you prayed this. And then it was like you did something else. And in my brain, I said, yeah, right. She didn't know I'd asked the Lord. I still didn't believe it. I had to come to a place where I trusted this book and not what I felt. So I want to invite you to stand. There's so much more I could cover with you today, but we need to be done. Because here's what we're going to do. I'm going to close the service today and we're going to sing a song, one of my favorite songs. It's called Simplicity. I come in simplicity. I don't know what you know about the Holy Spirit. I don't know what you understand about it, but look at what Luke chapter 11 says. If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We've been reading the devotion, the God I never knew. We've been studying it on Sunday mornings. I presented more information to you today, but I just want us to end and say, Holy Spirit, fill us. You've been baptized in the Holy Spirit before. It doesn't matter. It wasn't meant to be a one-time experience. In fact, Ephesians chapter six says, be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to challenge you as we close. I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray a blessing over us. If you need to leave, you're going to be dismissed, but we're going to worship. We're going to come in simplicity. I want to invite the prayer team to come. If you need someone to pray with you, we're going to be here. If you want to pray alone, if you just want to worship, I want you to just throw off everything in your, your mind today that you've, maybe the fears, the anxieties, say, Holy Spirit, I just want you today. I'm going to come in simplicity today. Just that simple childlike faith and receive, receive. And so Father, I thank you that you have done everything that's needed to break down the barrier that has separated us from you. I thank you that you sent your son to this earth to give his life as a ransom for us, that you poured out your wrath on him. You opened a way for us to come into relationship with you. You opened a way for your Holy Spirit to come and fill our lives in a full way, to give us power to be witnesses for you. God, to give us power to overcome the acts of our sinful nature. And so Holy Spirit, fill us today. As we simply respond to you in these last few moments, as we come in simplicity, Holy Spirit, baptize every single one of us afresh and anew that we would overflow with you, with you, with you in every way, I pray in Jesus' name.